Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Gold Jr. That is me, spinning the ones and twos, Brandon Newman. Brandon, what's going on? Nothing much, Mike. Happy Friday to you. Happy Friday. Uh, happy Good Friday to everyone out there. Uh, yes. We are in the middle of Passover right now also, so obviously Man. to everyone observing, hope your holiday is going well. Uh, hope you get to spend it with friends, loved ones, all that good stuff. Have you ever been to a Seder? I have not been to a Seder. No, I have been to uh, dinners over the course of Hanukkah. Uh, shout out to my great friend, Nicole Gartner, who is an excellent cook and a wonderful host. But no, I've not been to a Seder. Have you? Yeah, back in my, you know, <laughs> back in my L.A. days, got invited to a couple Seders. Well, I was just going to say, I actually drove up to Beverly Hills the other night and saw a lot of people leaving Seder all dressed up like, you know, very like obvious, like very well done up. But I was like, oh, that reminded me and clicked me back in that my calendar on iMessage has shown me that Passover had started. Yeah, it's like one of the uh, for me, it's like the best version of Friendsgiving that I was very, very chill, chill vibes. We like the vibes around that. We do like the vibes. Yeah. Um we also like the vibes. Uh, Brandon, you got back on the stage, stand-up comedy last night. How are we doing here? Your quest for 33 trips to the stage in your 33rd year in life? Yeah, just did three in this uh, first two months, Mike. So I need to pick up the pace a little bit, but definitely still my calling. Still my home. Uh, very funny, even on accident. I don't know if you guys have ever uh, seen my Instagram, but at Brandon Jarrell 3 is where those clips will be going up. But yeah, tried out some new stuff, got some new laughs, uh, you know, feeling ready to continue the journey. Have you felt like ready to try out a different place? Because you've gone back to the same club now a couple of times. Do you want to keep going there? Do you want to eventually branch out to new places? Because I'm fascinated by your confidence on this stage because you always talk about nerves associated with doing television or doing the things that we do for the job here. But then I see you on stage and it's like Bill Belichick talking about lacrosse. And I'm amazed because what you're doing is infinitely harder than anything that we're doing here. So are you now at the place where you feel like you can go and fly your wings to another coop 
I definitely can, Mike. I think the proximity is is a big thing, and right why I keep going to this club here in Sarasota. It's about thirteen minutes from the house. Um, the other ones, and obviously Sarasota is not a huge city in Florida. So if I do branch out, it's you know driving an hour to Naples, forty five minutes to Fort Myers. I would love to get those booked, Mike. Uh, just open mics are very competitive because everybody wants to try it, but not everyone's doing it to like try to get better in the way that I am. You know what? Honestly, that sounds a lot like, and this is, I promise, not intended to be the segue that it's going to be. It sounds a lot like golf. Yes. There's a, there's a, when it comes, because there's tools and devices and you could pick the wrong tool or device depending on how far you are away from the punchline and the joke. But it's all about uh, punchlines and, and our setups and punchlines and even all the setup that is, like the swinging and all that's why the professionals are professionals when they just go up there and just have at it like i need about five minutes of doing the the motion before i actually put club to tee well and i think that's why it actually is the most like golf because today as you will learn we've got a great show for everybody here as always download subscribe rate and review leave us a five-star rating and check us out on the DraftKings youtube channel under the podcast tab gojo with mike golick jr we got the guys from bob does sports coming on the podcast today they've got a great podcast and they've got a phenomenal youtube channel they are part of the growing number of youtube golfers of golf influencers the kind that we met when we were out in arizona for the waste management tournament doing that pga 2k uh, bit that we did um it's bob Berger, fat perez and joey cold cuts all joined us there those are their stage names not their government names but that's how you'd know them if you're a fan of their youtube stuff and they go around they do a lot of golf challenges with other youtubers we talk to them about some of the pro golfers that they've played with including guys like john rom who are at the top of the masters leaderboard our favorite max homa some celebrities and some athletes like josh allen kyle allen sam darnold like they've gotten to do this mix and we talk a lot about their dream rounds that they'd like to put together how this journey has sort of changed the way they're received when they go out to events like this who are some of the best shit talkers that they've golfed with among the pro golfers that they've played with and one of the bits of advice um because fat perez is an incredible golfer he is a dynamite smooth swing and one of the things he's going to explain about the guys that he goes and plays with as a part of this is to get better at golf like you said you got to go out there and you got to get the practice swings in you've got to do the gritty hard stuff most people that go to golf just want to show up and do the thing they don't want to actually have to turn it into work much like you're talking about with stand-up comedy so lots of parallels between for some reason golf especially and what you're doing on the stage exactly mike and that's a perfect segue because what i'm trying to do is i want to be a scratch stand-up comedian there you go want to try and go up there and just put that thing next to the hole so uh we will continue to update on your journey as you get towards that very excited to talk to those guys again if you haven't checked out their youtube channel it's a shit they play golf the way i want to play golf which is showing up getting properly lubricated understanding there's an optimum bac to play golf at and making sure you've always got snacks on hand they are the everyman golfers going out here and doing the lord's work on the internet to show everyone that golf can be a fun welcoming awesome place even when you've got some of the biggest names involved. Mike, they have snacks and, and uh, golf carts on deck, which is very important to the way that you want to attack the course. But I would be lying if I wasn't envious of the nicknames that they have, because obviously I've talked to you about you using my government here. I guess I just did as well. But I, I just I want 
I want a really cool food-related nickname. I mean, we can work on that. It's just like that's not something you can dub right away, right? Like Fat Perez was the nickname. Like He joined their group. He joined their podcast and their YouTube channel starting off as a fan who showed up to Zoom happy hours during the pandemic and was just so entertaining every time they would go to him that eventually they all met up when they were down at Pinehurst. He was down there, I believe, with his wife. Bob, uh, Bob and the other guys were down there shooting something and they met up and played around and he ended up being able to leave his job and go and join this full time and his Bob by far the best golfer of the group so he came in with that one locked and loaded as his just his stage name coming into the zooms during happy hours so i don't know if you rocked with something back then that you want to call back on no i i do you you have revealed that my nickname in college was be new and i can't remember which running back said it maybe it was armando allen but the nickname beef stew was oh, given yeah. to me once and it was like it was it hurt at one point in time but i kind of like it now all right well we can flirt with beef stew a little bit and see either way stick <laughs> around you're gonna love uh the bob does sports guys they are incredible really fun hang and the interview starts off with me listening to a video of joey absolutely annihilating his head on the bottom of a garage door while he tries to jump the laser it is an incredible video everyone make sure you check that out on their channel that will be the start of the raucous laughter you hear when we get going and brandon we talked with them a bunch about the masters we had the first round go down yesterday on thursday and uh our dreams for Tiger aren't looking too great. Uh, Tiger could not break par, looked really uncomfortable the entire time he was out there. And it was on a day where this weekend, given what the weather's going to look like, those were going to be the best conditions for people that wanted to shoot low. And it just didn't seem uh, like it was a good time for LT Gray. So the world might not be long for him in the Masters, which sucks. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're going to have plenty of other interesting headlines because John Rahm apparently felt like going back to being a gigantic golf robot heat-seeking missile. Brooks Kepka is repping for the Live Tour guys. He's tied with John Rahm and Victor Hovland at minus seven for the lead uh, coming off the first day. So there's still plenty of good stuff. It just doesn't seem like it's going to be Tiger right now. Yeah, it's, it's disappointing. It, re- it really is. But I don't like the concept of him being out day one. Cause you can have a good, you can have a good stretch. You can have a good stretch, but like, I don't know. It just, he needed to get going early because we know the longer the weekend goes with all of Tiger's injuries, none of that bodes well for him over the long course of the uh, the period. Tiger Woods has never missed the cut as a pro at the Masters. Uh, He had only one birdie in 14 holes. He finished with a bogey for 74 coming off that first round. So again, it's just because of where Tiger's at physically why the first round feels a little bit more dire for him. So we'll kind of have to play that one by year, but again, I would start to focus on other things um like uh, what i thought was really cool coming off the first day because we'll have plenty of time coming off the weekend to talk about what actually goes on when we get to the meaningful golf saturday and sunday they went back and did what they had done in other tournaments and put the earpiece in and talked to guys live on the course they talked to rory mcelroy who we mentioned yesterday has all the demons associated with this tournament is going for his ninth try at the career grand slam at augusta and still took the time got on heads was talking through his thoughts 
coming up on an approach shot, walking everyone through that hole. We'd seen them do this at smaller tournaments where less is at stake comparatively than these legacy tournaments, than the majors. And him and Max Homa both took the time and both at points where they weren't playing their best round. And Brandon, I think it's a really cool understanding of this is a unique opportunity for golf. They saw and have both been at the helm for trying to make the PGA something that feels a little bigger, something that's gotten more money poured into it and something that's more accessible to the fans whilst Liv is hidden behind the CW where no one's going to go see it. So I thought that was cool for those guys. It's unique about golf. We see it in baseball and some other sports, but almost never in the regular season. So this felt like a big milestone at that point. Yeah, the broadcast updating is something I feel like golf's been missing for a long time. Obviously, no one wants to interrupt the naps that are happening uh, right now and the naps that are happening this weekend. But to get in the player's ear, I feel like they they played around with it, obviously, with the D match with Tom Brady and, and Aaron Rodgers and stuff yeah. like that. But actual profess, professionals talking through the thing is a lot different. The only thing left is to now have Charles Barkley come and join Jim Nance in the booth at the Masters and really set this shit off. I, I feel like Jim Nance would have to say, you can't sit here. Like he, I think he was like, okay, like I, I understand the entertainment value, but this is my version of journalism, friend. Get up I, out my booth. I would love to see the tension that builds into that one. Like, I feel like Charles Barkley may be better at talking about golf than he is basketball at this point. I mean, he might be. And listen, Jim Nance also works with Tony Romo. Like... He True. knows what tension is like with someone who's going buck wild in the booth. So Charles might actually be a little more on the mellow side than Tony at this point. Fair. So, uh, again, good stuff to keep an eye on there. John Rahm is uh, the shot the lowest score in Masters history for someone that started with a double bogey. Brooks Kepka is now the only multi-time live winner. He won around on Sunday that, again, if a guy wins a golf match in the live golf tournament, does anyone even know about it? I butchered yeah. that line. You you came up with that pre-show and I butchered it. I'm sorry. No, no, it, it's it, it's completely fair. If a, if a tree shits in the woods, does a bear wipe his ass with it? You know, a, a, a scorpion will always sting. Uh, but <laughs> yes, I. I <laughs> the fact that Brooks is doing well isn't surprising because he was winning majors before he went over and became a live golfer. He is. I mean, the last two years were a struggle. That was part of full swing uh, where they talked about in season one his struggles on the tour and how that was a part of the decision-making to go over and live and maybe take that cash grab. And so uh, he's back firmly in the mix on this. And so uh, that'll at least gave us at the start what we were saying this tournament could use if you want that live and PGA beef to keep being something that hangs over the top of this. We'll get to plenty more uh, Masters and golf talk with the guys from Bob Does Sports. Uh, Brandon... Did you also see yesterday Cam Newton, who really has been leaning into for a while the idea of the athlete delivering his own news and making his own headlines in a way I deeply appreciate. We've had the shop with LeBron James and a bunch of athlete podcasts. Cam Newton's got a YouTube channel and he's got a background that's full of the same wingdings font that he uses in any text that he puts out into the public eye and has a number of hats that I want to know at this point, does he get them pre-cut so that his hair can go straight out of the top of them? Does he do that himself at home? Does he have a special tool for it? Because it's a consistent through line now as he's always very conscious about what he's wearing during these. Yeah, Mike, I just, the, the special tools is just a knife. 
Just a, just a knife. I was sure I, I hope... expensive hats. Like, I know you're going to put a hole in the top of it, but I'm sure you want to do it in a way that still looks good. Yeah, I just don't know if... Uh, what is the tar- term called? The people that make suits fit? Tailors? Yeah. I don't know if tailors have gone to, like, freeform dreads for hats. But I, obviously, if anybody would have a guy for it, it's Cam Newton and The weekend. That is... <laughs> That's so true. Cam's got to have a hat tailor, and that's a special place to arrive in your fashion lifetime. And Cam Newton also went on his YouTube channel to actually do something that we often, when we have discussed things like Lamar Jackson's uh, back and forth with the Baltimore Ravens, a lot of things get said publicly about players in the media through sources, through reporters, and oftentimes, especially in the case of Lamar, we've seen him come out on his own through tweets and try and dispel some of the things being said about him. Cam Newton's kind of trying to do a similar thing his last youtube video is basically trying to attack this long-standing notion that cam newton because of his personality because of what he's accomplished in the league because of what a just presence he is in any locker room wouldn't be comfortable going in and being a backup quarterback somewhere for someone and he put out an almost half hour long video basically saying no I would go back up. At this point, I want to win. I want to be a part of lifting a trophy. To me, that matters more than individual accolades. And I have so many things that have been a part of my career, I feel like I could give and help uh, other people. And so he provided a list of the specific, either teams or players, that he'd be willing to go back up. And so, Brandon, I want to go through and I want to grade what we think the sincerity is of Cam Newton's Mm. desire to actually go sit and back up versus an opportunity he smells to go start. Because he made it clear, he's still a high level competitor and i thought was very interesting he said his mentality has gotten him everything he has gotten in his life that idea of going out there and being a competitor and will get him everything after that and he's right life has incentivized cam newton to believe the way he has done it is absolutely the right way because it's worked at every stop for him especially with his abilities so let's look at this list he started off very uncomfortably with deshaun watson and the cleveland browns and cited as we will see as a theme in this list. Much like Amin El-Hassan talks about Doc Rivers always signing players that are either related to him or played for him before, Cam Newton's list basically is comprised of quarterbacks he sees some of himself in, quarterbacks who played in his 7-on-7 league, or people who he thinks he could take their job. So... To start off with Deshaun Watson, who checks the box of having played in Cam Newton's 7-on-7 league, he also had the very uncomfortable quote saying, I've grown to admire the person and the athlete that he is. Going through a lot of turmoil, but I believe that's behind him. Uh, eh, wrong, bad, don't, no. So that was that was kind of gross. He just acting like he had a full season starting. Right. Like, <laughs> suspended the majority of the game's that were able to be played. Which, because of that, you have to wonder, is his ulterior motives thinking, hey, you know what? This guy's already been suspended a season and change. Who knows if he's going to miss more games? So, can't rule that out. Wait a minute. That's Chestnut Checkers by Cam. There. He's like, which which player is going to be like, you know what? Just sit him. Just, just sit him the rest of this half. Let Cam do his thing. That's what I mean. Chestnut Checkers is going to be a theme of this list. So he starts it off with that with the Browns, which, again, deeply uncomfortable, a little bit problematic. Uh, He then goes to Lamar Jackson on whichever team he ends up on, which, again, doesn't seem like the purest intentions because he's probably heard all the public discourse about Lamar Jackson and them not wanting to give a contract because he misses games with injury. Games with injury sounds like opportunity if you're Cam Newton, I would imagine. Yeah, he's uh, he ain't slick. 
He is uh, not slick because he, he he thinks he's trying to act like he's he's mentoring Lamar Jackson, and he's he's a vulture. And see, you know what? The thing is, I do believe Cam would actually be a really good mentor. You brought this up to me before the show is we've got a league now with more guys with special ability, special physical gifts at quarterback that are being allowed to use those gifts where offenses are finally like, why are we going to not let someone go out there and use this whole other part of their game? That's a huge help to the offense. So Cam's got a lot to give. Like, he was doing that at a time before it was really ubiquitous. Like, I know we can go back to, like, 2012, 2013 when RG3 and Colin Kaepernick came onto the scene and a lot of that changed. But Cam Newton has, I think, done it for the longest and certainly at the highest level being the one of those to attain an MVP. Well, and also getting into getting to a Super Bowl, regardless of yeah. what that what happened and the result. As, but As did Kaepernick, we should point out, too. True, true. There. I feel, was he sharing time that season though? It was him and Alex at that that whole season. But but regardless, Cam is. I mean, okay, Cam Cam for the longest time and might maybe still to this day has the most is the most uniquely gifted player to ever play the position with his physical gifts. I remember Ryan Clark telling stories about how when he started seeing Cam Newton run out of the tunnel, Ryan wondered if they're making quarterbacks like that now. Are my days yeah. around here probably numbered? That's the precursor to the Josh Allen's of the world now that kind of sit in that Cam Newton physical stature role. So he's got. Long story short of it is he's got a lot of game to probably give these guys. He is an extremely tenured player. He is one that has all those experiences. So I don't want to dismiss it like he's got nothing. I just also know this is a guy that still very much thinks he can play ball. He was at the Auburn Pro Day saying there aren't 32 guys in this league, and he opened this video saying there aren't 32 guys in this league better than me you know what it is in all actuality cam newton is the only reason why these guys who are mobile quarterbacks are able to get long-term deals because cam Newton's one of the only quarterbacks that we've seen physically gifted enough and done it long enough to continue to produce well into his career after the ups and downs that have happened so without cam newton's career as it is as it as it was we wouldn't think that we could trust a Justin Fields the way we do. Well, Cam Newton is also, to me, a reminder of the thing that so many people get wrong, and I think with Lamar Jackson included when they discuss quarterbacks that have the ability to go and affect the game with their legs is anytime injuries happen, they go, well, that's what happens. You know, it's not for long when you're a quarterback like that, where Cam, like a lot of these guys, like Lamar Jackson, took the bulk of the most detrimental hits in the pocket, and often, especially with Cam, wasn't officiated like a lot of his peers, wasn't afforded the same protection as a lot of his peers, and so no. that to me had the far more cumulative effect a lot of times even for a guy that was a downhill power runner as a quarterback in a way that was really unique um the ravens thing also applies to the next quarterback on this list was justin fields in chicago who he sees getting run into the ground he sees already they were flirting this offseason with the idea of potentially using the number one pick and trading him and so all those things would probably lead me to believe cam may see an opportunity there as well uh the miami dolphins and Tua tonga vailoa that one definitely seems like he thinks he can get on the field there at some point Um, The Tennessee Titans, he said Malik Willis, who, again, like Justin Fields, also Cam Newton, seven on seven league product. Uh, Malik Willis, also seven on seven league product and not even the starter in Tennessee. 
Like Cam Newton's like, I would go back up Malik Willis, who is backing up Ryan Tannehill at this point based on everything we saw last season. So that's another one where he looks at that situation and didn't even bother to mention Ryan Tannehill by name. I'm guessing he sees an opportunity there. How much money are third string quarterbacks making right now? Because like I'm, I'm like I feel like Cam is going to be one of those guys who like he's also thinking like, well they can afford I, I can I can be on that roster and not take up much space or money. I mean Malik Willis is what a third rounder out of rookie deal. Ryan Tannehill I think is among quarterbacks making like thirty seven and a half million dollars as most of them get north of forty now. Maybe that doesn't feel Oof. as bad, but yeah. um, the next one is the Eagles. It's the it, it's one of the ones I look at and go, you know what that actually like is a place that one. Jalen Hurts, I think, in a lot of ways, similar runner, meaning a guy who can actually go and hit you between the tackles because he's big and strong. He's not as tall as Cam and not as, I think, overall large as Cam, but I think similar styles as runners, both incredibly competent ball carriers. And we know Jalen Hurts is also incredibly composed, unflappable, has done having the uncomfortable quarterback situation and survived it and thrived on the other side coming off the overlap with Carson Wentz. And so that's a guy who there's no conversation about Cam Newton's presence in the locker room overriding the leadership of Jalen Hurts. That's Jalen's team. And as Jalen Hurts continues to go on this journey coming off his first Super Bowl appearance, Cam Newton's probably a guy that actually could be a great voice for him to have around there. So I looked at that one and I was like, oh, that actually kind of feels pretty good for the fit. It does outside of the fact that Cam Newton has been lobbying for himself to be in the NFL for these last few months. Like, I feel like Jalen Hurts is such a businessman and such a uh, thinking about the franchise. And I don't know if he sees him as an asset the way maybe Howie Roseman might see Cam Newton as an asset. I I I feel like they're just a very good situation that could app because listen there is a reality to the gravity of Cam Newton when he's in your locker room he is a huge presence he's an incredibly yeah. entertaining presence and someone who's generally been in a leadership position I think Philly could absorb that very well and benefit from it the Jets or he said whichever teams Aaron Rodgers ends up with. I am spending all of my manifestation tokens on this reality. I want this outcome so badly, Brandon. I want them on a YouTube channel together. I want Cam Newton coming on McAfee with him. I want to hear every bit of conversation between these two guys. I bet Aaron Rodgers will start texting and love his weird wingding font. I, I just I feel like that marriage of personalities would be hard knocks nirvana, and the Jets are eligible this year. Ooh. Now you didn't tell an idea, and that's that's what's going to happen, Mike. But yeah, there's something about Aaron Rodgers and Cam Newton, like a, a very odd couple, uh, probably similar values, and also just thinks they're very they are smart, but may think that they may be a little bit more educated or intelligent than they than they think you know than they they're, actually are. They're smart, know. and they want to make sure you know they're smart. Yeah. So, but I feel like they wouldn't do that to each other. I feel like they would be on some like, on, like you know, how, like you just kind of uh, hype up somebody you like. You're like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, and this, and this, and this, and they just keep going and going. Like I imagine having a sleepover and then talking until six a.m. He'd be in a lot of the Aaron Rodgers Instagram pictures that he likes to throw up during the season. Oh man! So yeah. I'm gonna wish Jeez. for that one. Um, the Bills, like we talked about, Josh Allen body type wise is like the direct predecessor or the direct um, descendant of Cam Newton and what he represented to the NFL. Um, 
the commanders, Sam Howell, again, checking the box of Cam Newton, seven-on-seven league alumnus there. Ron Rivera, a guy he played for uh, with the Panthers. So a lot of connections there. And then he also cited the rookies. And this is another one where... I think it would probably be team dependent. Like Cam did say, he wants to be at a place that's winning. And maybe he thinks he can affect it in whatever role he's in enough. But he mentioned yeah. CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, and Anthony Richardson as the rookies that he would like to take under his wing. All those guys could possibly go first, Mike. And you know who has the first pick? Man, who says you can't go home, huh? I, uh, I think the Carolina Panthers are telling Cam, we are done bringing you home, sir. I'm sorry. That's the one. It's like whoever they pick, instant no-fly zone. Like, brother, we yes. have done this multiple times, and it's it, it's got to be we are never getting back together. It's best for everyone involved at this point. Quite frankly, I think the same applies for Cam and Ron Rivera. You guys did that for a long time. You guys had your run. It's probably time to see other people. I am ready for Cam to do his one-day contract when he retires with the Carolina Panthers, but that can't be for this season. Uh, at Gojo Show on Twitter, uh, where you think Cam Newton will end up next season. Again, I think the connective tissue there all makes a fair amount of sense, and I'm going to root hard as hell that him and Aaron Rodgers end up in the same quarterback room. Growing up playing sports, I learned really quickly that how you do the little things is how you're going to do everything. That's why coaches always harped on us about having our hand behind the line on sprints or picking up our locker because that was going to directly translate to critical moments on the field, making sure we're lined up right, taking the right steps so we can go out there and execute and win ball games. Small actions can have big benefits, just like how taking care of your gut can support your entire body's health. That's where our friends at Seed come into play. Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic is going to benefit your gut, skin, and heart health in just two little capsules a day. I just got my welcome kit and started taking Seed's DSO-1 myself and I'm loving it. I love the convenience of being able to have it in the cabinet with my other supplements because you don't need to worry about refrigerating it and I love the free travel vial that comes along with it. I'm constantly on the road and so being able to take DSO-1 with me on the go is huge for my lifestyle here. I'll tell you what else I love is the fact that it's backed by science. DSO-1 was developed in collaboration with Seed Scientific Board and based on their foundational work in probiotics and the microbiome and with new clinical trials and breakthrough research published in top scientific journals, Seed's probiotic research development and innovation programs make DSO-1 a product you can trust and it's great in convenience too. Probiotics and prebiotics work best when they're used consistently just like any other routine health habit. And Seed's subscription service is going to easily help build DSO-1 into your routine, again with no refrigeration required. So, trust your gut with Seed's DSO-1 daily symbiotic. Go to seed.com slash gojo and use code 25gojo to get 25% off your first month. That's 25% off your first month of Seed's DSO-1 so one daily symbiotic at seed.com slash gojo code 25 gojo brandon it's friday around here though which means it's time for turn-ons uh which if it sounds horny it's because this show generally tends to be uh what you're reading watching or listening heading into the weekend um Obviously, that's going to include the Masters. I am looking forward to an incredible Easter Sunday edition of the Masters golf nap, gorged with candy, gone off the spirit, and ready to watch the home stretch of golf's first major. So that's going to be incredible. Oh yeah, I mean, obviously that's going to be the time where I'm 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 
queuing in and keying in as well. Uh, but also, there's a lot of NBA playoff games. Or I guess not the playoff games, but the the end of the regular season. Yep. Push is the end of the weekend. regular season, I believe, is Sunday. The play-in tournament starts on Tuesday. So yeah. the finish of the NBA season. Um, I would also – I'm going to try and see John for, John Wick 4 this weekend finally. Uh, the new Demon Slayer arc starts this weekend. And Demon Slayer has become my anime version of lacrosse where every year I get to Memorial Day weekend and I make my big pitch to people. Hey, watch college lacrosse if you haven't already. It's a really exciting sport. You know, one of the fastest growing sports on two feet, grow the game, all those great things. This is my pitch for people that have not ever taken the plunge into anime. I think Demon Slayer can be very much like a new age Dragon Ball Z as a gateway anime especially for young people like a lot of guys our age especially athletes who came into anime came through dragon ball z because there's fight scenes because there's a bunch of workout montages because it's generally a simple plot that's kind of candy that gets fed to you over time it's easy to follow and fun to watch demon slayer uh naruto a bunch of these different ones that i think now have built into this point where you've got a plot where similar title character tanjiro very goku like very sweet sees the best in people fierce hardworking, puts his hand in the dirt tons of training montages discipline all the things that athletes love and then you've got this beautiful animation bunch of cool demon transformations big bads that are very like the the good and bad is very easy to see it's not like a more complicated show like attack on titan where there are very blurred lines as to who is actually good who is actually bad and why this one's really simple they make it incredibly simple and it's incredibly fun to watch and the third season is getting started it's the swordsmith village arc and i am jazzed mike i'm excited as well i am not as deep into the damon Damon Demon Slayer lexicon is you but you say it's simple and it is Mike but I feel like for newbies they'll get confused with the I guess advanced cinematography I mean you're like the main character is walking through the snow but for so many shots you get just footprints and blood spattered on the it's like very artistic they tell the story uh, visually as much as they do with the dialogue which is not not normal i guess it is normal for anime i was gonna say everything's like very big and grandiose you talked about watching a little bit of it there's a lot of very big reactions this one too leans into the funny of it again that's why i think dragon ball z as like a direct ancestor is a really interesting comp because it does lean into some of the comic relief for certain episodes so goku is silly and funny like two chains like i say two chains because like serious but also like if you listen to him being very funny this character how do you say his name demon slayer's main character Uh, tanjiro 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 is just extremely whiny and maybe i'm sensitive because i have a three-year-old at home but like i'm constantly telling carter like please use your regular voice when you're saying that regular sentence like you don't have to be daddy watch me shoot the basketball I mean, this. I'm not going to spoil it for people because I generally want them to watch. He's had a pretty difficult life, and he's trying to negotiate the world beyond it now where demons are a real thing, so I want to shoot him some bail. Brandon, the other show we've got coming up this weekend is Succession Episode 3 of the final yes. season here. You and I haven't gotten yet to talk about Episode 2, and so I want to look back at this. 
and break it down here. I figure each week for succession now we can go best line, best character, and peak Roy moment for the family. Can be anyone, can be a collection of them, as in this last episode. For anyone, you know, if anyone missed it, obviously, spoiler alert, don't listen to this part. But if you did, we got all of the Roy kids together. It's getting close to Connor's wedding. Willow, his fiance, is having a lot of cold feet. And so we get all of the Roy kids who are in the middle of this back and forth with the dad's acquisition. Ironically, and I forgot to mention this off the top of the season, the company that Logan Roy is getting ready to sell Waystar to is Gojo. Gojo. Like, it's us. The Swedes. That's that is us. Like Gojo is the thing. That's the that's the 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 white whale for Roy for Logan Roy. So, they're getting ready to sell to them. The kids all of a sudden are trying to say, "Hey, we can hurt dad even more by listening to some people that want them to hold out for more money, make this more of a negotiation." And so we get all of the Roy kids trying to help Connor cope with his wife skipping out on their rehearsal dinner, going and getting drunk at karaoke, and then Logan showing up and I think trying to completely fake emotions to get any of the kids to bite and successfully does with Roman getting him by the end of the episode to get ready to come back to the dark side on this Roman. so uh, brandon best line in the show for this episode for me i would probably go either cousin greg when logan first comes back to the newsroom at atn and says yeah. it's like if santa claus was a hitman yes that was a great one that was a great one I'd say that one or Connor when he tells the rest of the siblings he wants to go to a real bar with chicks and guys who work with their hands and grease and sweat from their hands and have blood in their hair because it's <laughs> it's like a great reminder that these people just have no concept of reality and so watching them all exist in dive bars was perfect. That was amazing. The uh, great uh, follow-up scene for that is them putting their orders in at the bar uh, at a very normal bar. Uh, whatever counter was on but my line of the episode Mike outside of the if Santa Claus was a hitman because that one was really really good was from Connor as well but it was after a very serious moment it was after Logan Roy was trying to get them to to move over and he was trying to play with the heartstrings and after he left Connor's like just done with the evening and was like I'm going home I'm trying to figure out he's like watching Willow on a find your iPhone bouncing around the city <laughs> deciding like very confused at where she's at but then he said I'm going to be he's like look at all you guys just fighting for dad's love oh daddy look at me daddy, look at me that's always been my superpower I don't need love so I'm going to be okay and I was like damn like I can like I can see how that especially all the stuff that got pulled up with like ignoring Connor growing up and things like that like this this guy who's the biggest doof of them all is actually the most independent of them all. Well, yeah, I mean, independent by necessity because he's been left the fuck alone. Like, we see all their scars. True. We hear them talk about how Roman used to get his ass whooped by Logan, and he said in his defense, everyone hit me, I was annoying. Like, we saw it all. On, this was a big psychology episode. That's why I think best character for me, this was Connor's episode. This was probably mm. the most screen time we've seen him get collectively. He was sort of the catalyst for everything that happened in the episode. And then for once, he got to kind of turn around and have this moment where he felt so superior to the rest of them because he right. sees them for what like this whole season so far i mean whole season two episodes in has been about 
Logan said they're not serious people to all of his kids because their motivation is just how do we either hurt this man or please this man? And the line between the two is so blurry because none of them want to admit around each other that pleasing him is still the goal, that they need his affection and his validation so much. And so I think Connor getting to have this episode where even when he's at his lowest moment personally, he still kind of gets to turn it around and look down on his siblings was quite a turn for him. Yeah, that was that was fun, Mike. But I, I have to give it to Logan Roy. And I don't usually this feels like a, a, a favorite pick, but I'm not a big Logan Roy fan when it comes to just watching the show. But what he did this episode, going to the newsroom, giving that impromptu speech and, and getting everybody riled up, that on top of finding out about his assistant's uh, tape as a as an as an anchor and i am as an as a viewer confused as f about what logan actually wants out of that like it it just and it leads to this moment where um greg is being a boss for the first time like it's it was a tour de france from logan roy in this episode from lying to his kids acting like he loves them because he was it, it would help his bottom line to just all the different moves made. I thought I thought this was one of the better Logan Roy episodes we've seen. It was the most manipulative. Like, even in the after episode, when it's just Brian Cox again talking about the character, and he's trying to explain it because you do have Logan come into that room with all the kids in karaoke, and for a second you wonder is he like he said he apologizes genuinely trying to see if he's going to reach out talking about how he missed his kids at his birthday party and the whole time you're like i don't buy this and his kids don't buy this and it's all like even after the episode i'm like i feel like brian cox is lying to me now (laughs) it's all so corrupt and that is 100 percent like the peak Roy for me was the karaoke apology from Logan. It was him Mm. in this episode because that's the show. It's this person that is so thirsty for power that he will even manipulate his own kids for love just to get back at the, because he knows in this episode, he knows they've got him got, we see him talking to his assistant, Carrie, who is the subject of that video. And he's admitting like, yeah, they've got leverage in this situation. And so how does he go and take it back by exploiting his kids, childhood daddy issues and, and it works. Yeah, Mike, I, I don't. That may be the moment, but I feel like the moment for me, it's got to be all the times he talked to Tom about Carrie. Like that was just so oh. I would I was just left like just so confused. I didn't know. I didn't know where Logan stood. It's very, very clearly. I like what's happening in this relationship for me, but I understand what's on that tape and that we cannot have her on the air at this juncture. And I need you guys to go and be the bad guy for me. And like Greg said, I did the job. I did what was asked of me. And that's about as far as the other peak Roy moment, Logan in the newsroom, when he walks up to the guy and he says, sending one email, please don't overexert yourself. He sent one email. He sent one email. Sending emails is a hard time, man. There's a lot of anxiety pent up in that. I applaud that gentleman for the work he was doing. Who are you telling? Who are you telling? And also, he was wearing sunglasses while he was uh, perusing. It's just, just all good stuff. Uh, it's incredible stuff. So uh, those are some weekend turn-ons at Gojo Show on Twitter. Let us know what you're watching this weekend and if we should watch it too. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk to the guys from Bob Does Sports about the Masters, 
famous people that they've played golf with and becoming golf celebrities in their own right on YouTube. Sound the trumpets, it's horse racing time. So saddle up for the action with DK Horse, an official DraftKings affiliate. Right now, new customers who download the DK Horse app can get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250. Just deposit $25 or more and complete the playthrough requirement. Wager on your favorite horses, then watch the races live right in the app. Download the DK Horse app now. New customers get a 100% deposit bonus up to $250 when they opt in with code GOLIT. Only on the DK Horse app. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER, 18+, plus, 21+, plus in certain states, to open or access an account and resident of a state where DK Horse is available. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. One per new customer. Match calculated on first deposit up to a maximum of $250. Deposit requires two-time playthrough of settled wager within 168 hours. Bonus released in $25 increments. Deposit and eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at dkhorse.com. All right, so I'm watching the video of Joey trying to jump over. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. How are you good? Yeah, I mean, they started laughing before they knew if I was good or not. But yes, I am good. It's confirmed. Shockingly enough. Oh, my God. That's incredible. For what it's worth, trying to jump the sensor should be an Olympic sport of sorts because we've all done some version of it. We've all tried our hand. I give you a lot of credit for the running start on that. Wholly unnecessary, but perfect for the product. Not exactly like the pinnacle of what you would imagine when you think of speed, but in my mind at the time, after a couple cocktails, I thought that I could outrun the door before it came down which is why you see me just running as fast as I can. So the thought of like ducking never really occurred to me until I was getting absolutely body bagged. It was a clothesline from hell and it was, yeah, it was not my finest moment. We'll put it that. <laughs> yeah, Mike, that's the beauty of it is he didn't even, he, he didn't even decide to gauge on where the door was or how it was coming down. He just went full. I mean, he gave it everything that he had with, with zero regard for where the door was. <laughs> We, we gave him a lot of confidence going into it. Like, you can do this. This is not a big deal. This is just what you do. So he had he had no frame of reference that this was, like, difficult. I should have just went and, around um, the freaking front you did. door. should have just gone through the front door. That, that's a fact. 100%. Yep. Would have been the right move. But, again, now you wouldn't have this beautiful, luscious content. That's like, true. Correct. And we have Perez to thank for that because he was like, I think you can make it. And I mean, I don't know if he actually believed that at the time. <laughs> I, I did. I, pro- I, Joe, I promise you, I thought you could do it. I don't think any one of us in our wildest dreams would have thought it would have ended up that bad. Is I that the hardest think. hit any of you guys have taken over the course of your time together? For sure. Yeah. For yeah no, we don't even have to it's think about really that. Cool. No question about it. <laughs> Man. All right. You know what? That's a hell of a distinction to have already. So. Uh. Got to be kind yeah, of proud of that. Yeah. I mean, I've been wearing it. I My phone has been blowing up, and I just keep getting body bagged in the comments. But that's fine. Hey, more exposure for the brand, for the boys, and maybe we can get some laughs out there at the same time. That's all we're trying to do here, you know? That's it, man. Like we said, at the end of the day, someone falling down and being able to get back up, best version of comedy that there is. It is tried and true. It's a well-worn path. So you're joining a lot of greats on that one. I feel pretty comfortable. <laughs> I'm in. 
<laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, how you guys doing, man? We got Masters weekend going on here. I mean, Vet Perez is continuing to drink on through this. How's the day been for you so far here? How many how many deep are we at this point in the first round of the Masters? We've had a few. Um, uh-huh. I, I played golf this morning and, and had a few out there and then rolled it into some afternoon coverage. And uh, yeah, I mean, once you stop, it's over with. So I'm just going to keep rolling probably through Sunday night, I would think, um, <laughs> with some intermittent sleeping. So we'll see. So you got the coverage in there. What's How do you guys gauge this going into a weekend when you're looking? Do you guys have golfers, you know, either guys that you've done stuff with, guys you play for, guys you're rooting for uh, out on the course here? Who are you kind of having eyes on heading into Masters weekend? Yeah, we, we definitely do. That's for sure. Like all the guys that we've played with that we really like, Keegan Bradley being one of them, um, one of our favorite matches, I think that we would all agree that we've ever had by far, Max Homa. So like anytime Max Homa will come on there, Keegan, um, any of those guys, we're all for to where we really, really pull for. we also lucky enough now to be, I guess, part of the Callaway family, which sounds ridiculous, but we were able to do some fun things with, you know, a bunch of their guys with a video that drops tonight and, you know, Burns being one of them, Shoffley being one of them. We, we actually got a couple holes with John Rahm even. So I feel like now that we're part of the Callaway team, we, we obviously want all of those guys to be excelling, which, you know, up until now, I mean, Rahm's tied for the lead. Um, I mean, Burns is at five under. Shoffley's right there at four under. So it's a great start for the boys. That's uh, it's it's nice to see all of those guys competing early and often for sure. Yeah, I mean, it shows you how lucky we are to uh, play with the guys that we're playing. Um, I you know it's 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 not it's not uh, a Bob does sports thing. The reason these guys are up on top, so um, we're lucky that we can we can root for some of the best players in the world because um, somehow have been given the ability to to film with some of these dudes, which is un- unreal. Yeah, you guys are, I mean, you're huge. And this wave of like online golfers, YouTube golfers, you guys have become such an unreal part of the culture around golf that's making it fun right now. Like, uh, Rob, when you started all of this, when you started Bob Does Sports, obviously you guys found out pretty quickly golf was the avenue that you wanted to stick with. But how has it been seeing golf, which I don't think has a reputation of having fans that are willing to quite let their hair down like this when it comes to a sport? What's it been like jumping into this and seeing the reception you've gotten? Yeah, it, to be honest with you, it was kind of like you said to where originally we started Bob to Sports. It wasn't supposed to really like be golf until really early on. We started putting golf videos out there and we started realizing, okay, that's, you know, what what's hitting. I think the pandemic played for sure, you know, a large part to it. But yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty bizarre. I mean, it's it really is. It's it's a good mix in the sense of I haven't been playing too long, but I just kind of knew that that was what's working. And then we throw Fat Perez in there who can really play. So like, I think fans have gotten a mix of you know the good the bad the ugly uh with us so yeah it's 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 pretty pretty bizarre seeing it all kind of come to fruition and, and take place so we're just we're hitting what's working right now well and you mentioned like it, Perez you're an absolute stick if anyone hasn't seen you swing a club at this point give yourself that gift this afternoon because it's smooth as butter but like Joey for you uh Robbie for you like how has the golf game come along now as it's become something that is your livelihood now? The thing is, it's funny. I will say is like, you know, we probably should practice more in all honesty, (laughs) considering that we're a golf channel, but 
Luckily, at least for me, because I'm pretty, I mean, I'm pretty outrageous sometimes on the golf course and I'm very vocal when I'm not happy. It almost plays in, not that I ever want to play badly because I do legitimately. And if you ask Bob, they'd say the same thing. We do want to play well and we have streaks and moments where we make good shots. We get very excited, but it almost plays into our hand as a group better like when I play poorly because of the aftermath of the blow-ups and just I've broken clubs, I've lost my shit, I've thrown all the clubs out of my bag. I, you know, I, I kind of get I, – I lose myself in the moment. I really genuinely am not doing that. You know, it's just a natural knee-jerk reaction, and I think it almost plays into our hand well because people find it hysterical. So we're lucky we have that going for us. But, yes, I think this year moving forward – when you start playing with guys like John Rom and Max Home and stuff, you don't want to be dog shit. So, like, I do definitely think, like, moving forward, probably a few more trips to the driving range will be in store for us. But it's a work in progress, I guess you would say. Would you not, Bob? Yeah, like, I don't think I'm going to get better, if I'm being honest. <laughs> I think I've kind of hit the point where it, it was you either going to happen by now they say that, but I, honest to God, I, I'm such a wreck out there that I, I really don't think that I've gotten much better. And again, I'm waiting to turn the corner, but I'm starting to think, I don't know if I'm going to turn it. This is what I'm dealing with. Yeah. This is what I've got to deal with right here. Yeah. These two nut jobs. Do you even try and um, offer them tips or anything? Like, do you try and give yeah, them any help? Everything. Whoa. hundred percent. I told them everything <laughs> that they need to know. But like Joe said, they don't, they don't practice, you know. It's this, it's the the quintessential weekend golfer. But for these guys, it's not just the weekends; it's their life. But they still don't <laughs> want to practice. They go out to the golf course. They want to play golf, which I totally understand. That's how basically everyone on earth that plays golf doesn't get better is because they have limited time, or when they get out there, they'd rather play. And I get it. Um, but you're going to keep doing what you're doing as long as as that's the the way to go. And I, and I think to Joe's point, he's exactly right. I mean, his desire to play well coupled with his inability to play well <laughs> is, is why he, he gets so upset, um, which is great. So the minute he uh, comes to terms with not playing well, we're going to, he's not going to freak out anymore, which is no good for I us. I mean, I will say this is like, you know, like if you just compared us to like the average guy who goes out to the golf course on like a weekend round of golf, I think Bob and I could kind of hang our own. Like we will shoot in like the high 80s, the low 90s. Uh, every once in a while I have a really good round where like I'm mid to low 80s. But like we're, we're bogey golf, you know, bogey golfers. It's not like we're shooting 100, 120. But it's like when you start getting into this realm of like this YouTube golf world, like we're kind of enigma because we're like comedy first. A lot of these other channels, they're known for their good golf. So you're playing with guys who are single digit handicaps, who are scratch golfers. So I think like the difference between that to where we are, it's very, very evident. And I think that that just makes us look 10 times worse than we actually are. Um, but that's, that's the realm we're in. That's the reality of it all. And I like Perez said, you know, it probably wouldn't hurt for us to practice. Now I will say too, to, Bob, to Bob's credit and myself and all of us, we now have really good clubs cause we've got to deal with Galloway. So we can't blame our equipment anymore. So like we're really now like we, we're, we have no more excuses at this point. That's, that's why that's I purposely haven't bought myself better clubs. So I always have that out. <laughs> 
I leave that in the background there. Because, like, because like Perez, you're absolutely right. Like, what you said about Joey applies to my golf game, where I know, like, I was an oak, like, above average football player, and I knew how much work it took to be above average at that. I have put nowhere near that amount of work volume into golf. And so my dumb ass going out there and beating a club tree with a club because I'm pissed off that my short game's terrible is completely yeah. unearned arrogance. Yeah. I mean, look, it's like, you know, you, you get your football team together for a practice with the coaches and all you do is play 11 on 11 scrimmages. Like, that's not going to help you necessarily get better or it's not going to help you get better most efficiently, right? You run drills, you do all the stuff, you get fundamentals and then you go do that stuff. I don't know. I've never played football. It's my assumption, but I would think, you know, there are, you know, there are stuff that you work on, you practice, right? So golf is no different, right? So uh, and nobody wants to like, you know, even when people do practice, right, they just want to go to the range and bang balls, the quickest way to get better at golf is to spend an hour around uh, putting green and a and and chip and, and putt. Like if you really want to, if someone someone's like, I just need to shave five strokes off my game and be happy. It's like, all right, go spend two hours a week putting, and you're gonna hate it, but it's the best way to do it. God, that is why I'm and, gonna and, suck forever. And, and these two, these two aren't spending two hours a week at a putting green. That is happen. correct. Hey, you know, That's correct. Yeah, we're, we're not denying that here, Mike. Well, I guess the thing is, you've still now gotten to the point where you're getting to play with Max Homa and John Rahm and all these guys, so there's really no incentive to get better. What you've been doing has worked perfectly. Now, Joey, you brought it up. Like As you guys have gotten along, you've played with other YouTube golfers, you've played with pros, you've played with pro athletes. What's the most fun round for you? Like, is it enjoyable to get to play with the pros? Is it fun when you're competing against other YouTubers more? Like, which one is actually the most enjoyable for you guys? I oh, go ahead, Bob. You answer this. I'm. I w- I would say the one because it was intense. They were chirping like we guys. We love the guys that will come on and chirp us. You know what I mean? To where like there's a good back and forth. There's good banter. Like we like coming at them. They came at at us. Um, Max Homa, I to me because it was competitive. There was that edge to it where like he's seen the show. He kind of knew what to expect, and we both played so good to where. That might have been the most fun, or I mean, we just did one recently with Josh Allen, um, Sam Darnold, and Kyle Allen, and you know, we got a little boozed up. We had a good little time to where, like, that to me will go up there as well. So there's a there's a mix between playing with the golfers, and then you have somebody like that. You have Josh Allen, obviously, that was a ball, but anybody that comes on and chirps like that, the way that Homa did, uh, we we love that stuff, and he was awesome. So what's the best chirp you got from Homa? When did you know, like, oh, okay, we're in for it today with him? Perez, you know, you know that quote to where what, what was it when he buried yeah. that putt and he and then he, yeah, he stuck I mean, it to us? Yeah, it's probably the the last chirp that he had to give us. Is that um, I mean, hate to give away the video for anybody who hasn't seen it, but um, we make a bomb putt on seventeen for birdie, which we think is going to extend the match, right? Um, and then he just buries like a 25, 30 footer on us on top of it to win. And he just says, you can't kill a man if he doesn't have hope. And they had so much hope. And it oh was just like, God. it was just like, you just crumbled on yourself when it happened. And then he threw that on. It was just like, you know, all right, he what do you do? Mic drop. 
He came yeah, out he early. I think the first tee box press oh. hit a pretty good shot, and he's like, you know, I kind of expected more. Yeah, and like yeah, it yeah, was, yeah. He, it was nonstop from that point on. But that's that's kind of like what we like because we don't obviously take. I mean, I speak for myself, anyways. I don't take golf too seriously, so I like to get out and like have fun and kind of like have a good time, but like chirp the fellas and like when someone's in that wheelhouse, that makes it a lot of fun. We don't want to necessarily play somebody who takes it so seriously that it's like there's that element of fun that's removed. Um, and I do think sometimes even when you play with the pros, you're kind of, you got to feel them out a little bit because you don't know what that vibe is going to be like, but he was right out of the gates, like super fun. Keegan, we were lucky enough. We knew him and his caddy. So that was a super fun one for me as well. But the thing that's fun for me and, and Bob, you can reiterate this is sometimes we'll just go and play with our, our friends back home at like, even like a go track and we can still have a blast because it's just like, just with the guys doing what we do. So it's kind of like it, you know, it's, it's cool to play with all these guys, but we still appreciate it. Even if you're just playing, like when Perez, me and Bob get to play around, that's even off camera. I almost enjoy it more because we can just kind of do our own thing and have a, a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, Joe. I mean, I think what you said about like having just as much as fun with your boys back home at some whatever Muni golf course is exactly what we are, right? It's about who you're with having a good time more than it is even how well you're playing or where you're playing. That's not like there's a level of golf where that matters and it really matters to some people. But for 90% of the people that play the game, um, you know, it's all about basically, you know, when, when, when other, when, what's the other time you could tell your wife or girlfriend, Hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to be gone for five and a half hours with my buddies and we're going to drink outside. She'd be like, what in the world are you talking about? Like, you're just going to sit in the woods and drink beers. Like you can't do that, but you can say, I'm going to go play golf with the fellas and it's totally reasonable. So that's what golf's all about, man. It's an incredible life hack. Perez, I know you're always properly hydrated, properly lubricated out on the course, and, and right now doing this podcast. What are, what are the essentials that you need in the golf bag to make it a successful round when it comes to that? What do you need to have in the system to feel like you're at your best? Sure. Yeah, and that's a great question. Um, <laughs> two, two beers, drinking my third beer, approaching the first tee. So... Um, if I have time at the golf course to consume the two or, um, you know, backseat of someone else driving, get two in on the way to the golf course and then, and then start the third, um, on the tee. And then, yeah, I mean, there's, it's a, it's a bell curve of consumption, right? Like you're, 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 you're getting better, you're getting better, you're getting better, you plateau and you want to hang out there. Um, but it's very, it's a very sharp downside on, on the consumption and the golf game. So, um, yeah, for me, uh, just, uh, years of experience on, on how much is, is the pace. And then, uh, I like a cigar every once in a while. So a cigar cutter, um, and a light and, and you just see where the, see where the day takes you. Bob, I've seen you guys go the food challenge route a lot on the course too. Is there an ideal food for the golf course in your mind? Even when you're not trying to power through, you know, the amount of them that would make a normal person crumble, like what are you actually reaching for? 
Mike, I'll be honest with you. One of the things that we used to do all the time, because it's just easy. It really is kind of like the food of golf is taking the hot dog where you take the hot dog dog on the turn, something you could kind of take on the go. Since we did the hot that hot dog challenge, I my desire I have no desire to go eat a hot dog anymore. It's just gone. It, it really is. It was so much to wear. That's totally out the window. So I'm a big Caesar wrap guy if they have it. Um, but again, it's even with the Caesar wrap, as much as I love the beauty of the hot dog, is you could just take that on the go. Um, now that's kind of out for me. But anybody else out there, if you haven't done that hot dog challenge, you take a hot dog. It's the go-to. Man, uh, yeah, no, that'll that'll burn you. I mean, that's why I always wondered about competitive eaters was how they go back to the well on that stuff. I've I've done the Nathan's hot dog contest as an analyst before, and seeing it up close, I got to take a few day break after that. So you guys are heroes for plowing through this. Yeah, that's got to be fun. Joey, yeah, you wonder if Joey Chestnut just has casual hand, like hot dogs. Could you imagine, like in his life, <laughs> or if it's just like training going into it, and he just like. Doesn't touch it for nine months. I like to imagine that Joey Chestnut sees a hot dog in the wild in like August, a month after that, and he just gets that far away look in his eyes like he's back on the battlefield just slugging <laughs> dogs. PTSD. Hey, that's, I tell you what, though, the fact that you could do, be analyst on that, I would. we would have a field day with that where that's got to be a blast. Oh, I feel like see they need to get you guys out in the like out in the field with everybody because <laughs> the two years I called it like an on course reporter. Oh, I, you, so they they legitimately call it the splash zone. It's like SeaWorld up at front. Oh. I've seen play by or sideline reporters wear ponchos down there because you're right in the mix. It's bodies on the corner of surfing still well out there on by Coney Island is an absolute mosh pit of like 10,000 people. So Perez, that feels like home base for you down there getting down and dirty with that. Yeah, those are my people for sure. Those are absolutely my people. Oh, it'd be a beautiful, it'd be a beautiful thing. Speaking of like for you guys, like you've gotten to do a lot. Like you've talked about, do you still have, like, is there a dream team out there that you'd be able to go golf with? If you got to build like your ideal round, who you get to play with and where you get to play the round, do you still have that hanging out there or have you gotten to do it already? (laughs) We, yeah, I mean, no, we, there, there's, it's, it's, it's endless. Um, I think that anybody kind of sitting in our seat and do what we do, um, would say obviously Tiger is you know kind of the the un, the untouchable the Holy Grail type thing. Um, it's almost like too good to be true. Once you do that, like where do you go from there type of thing? Um, but I, I would say just like kind of a random one that maybe you wouldn't think. Um, DJ Khaled yeah. is is our guy. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you probably no, didn't see that him. coming, did you, Mike? No. no I, I don't know if you've seen his stuff recently on social media, but he is massively getting into golf. It's like his well, thing. I saw like, he got to go play at Jordan's thing. private course not too long <laughs> yeah, ago. No, he's there all the time. Yeah. So his new, Come like, out. what used to be, like, major key, his, like, major key is now let's go golfing. He loves it, and we love him for that. And um, th- there's there's no one realistically that we want more right now than DJ Khaled. Hey, I'll give you another guy that I would love to have, DJ Khaled, of course. Another guy that I would love because I just think the guy is so – he's a riot. He's got no filter. He's so blunt. You give me Charles Barkley on a golf course, I, I would love to have him. I think he'd be just a riot on it. That's great. Char- That's really great. Charles is one. Another guy who, uh, who I think would be so right up our alley is Travis Kelsey 
from the Chiefs, oh. I think would be. Yeah. I got the. I was lucky enough to be paired with him this last summer, and the guy is. He was at the ACC tournament in Lake Tahoe, and he was just chugging beers and just shotgunning and just having a great time. So I think like anybody like that's that's in that kind of capacity and just wants to go out and just rip it. I think like he's one of those guys who would be so fun to get on camera and play with and just see the shenanigans go down. Yeah, that guy manages to bring pro wrestling to every possible format that he's at. <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah. It's hey. It's the guy. I feel like the guy just never has like a like goes out and have has a normal dinner. You know what I mean? Like with buddies. Like it's it's always some sort of scene. Um, I love that dude. He's the best. He somehow seems equally comfortable in that standpoint and Paris Fashion Week. It's unbelievable <laughs> inside that man. You're not wrong. I don't want to act like you guys wouldn't be comfortable at Fashion Week. That's not what I'm saying at all. I just you know I want to give the man credit for the range he's displayed already, but. Oh my, Bob! How much money would it cost for you to fly to Paris? A lot, a lot. That's the thing about Kelsey too. He'll be at Paris Fashion Week. Next thing you know, he's he's at the Knicks game. You know what I mean? Then he's sitting courtside to where I don't take a bit. Now, you guys, I'd imagine like waste management. Another thing that just speaks to the soul of what you guys are doing. Have have you guys you know gone as individuals before? Gone as a group before? What's that experience like at waste management with Bob Does Golf? Yeah, uh, I, I went with our editor, The Jet. I went with him last year when we first started Bob Does Sports, and it was one of the original episodes that we did. And that was – it was one of the craziest things that, that I had probably ever seen, especially on the golf course because where it's the one time where – you, you know, with the players where people can yell and like there's really just no rules on the course. So that was amazing. But then we had just went with Super Bowl weekend and we had our tournament out there to where going with everybody and the whole crew and these guys. I mean, we ended up just having a ball to where I don't I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of years where we miss that. It, it's that much fun. I left it all out there. He this did. Year. I was there for uh, 12 days. Um, from we filmed on the front Jesus end. Christ. We had our tournament, waste management, and then through Super Bowl Monday. And there's a piece of me, a large chunk of me, that is still spread throughout clubs and bars um, in that city. And I'll never get it back. I feel like it's the same piece of you that's the piece of Joey attached to the inside of that garage door now in the yeah, VR show. Right. Got that's him, right. got him. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. I will say uh, with regards to the waste management, it's really cool. It was my first time being there this year um, to see just like kind of like where the game of golf has grown to and like where it's getting to that it is appealed to like so many new people and it's become such a fun, enjoyable thing where people can like go out and really just like have a blast at it. It's really cool because like when I was growing up, like when I was really young, I used to like not really watch golf. And I kind of thought, you know, I don't know if this is for me. I grew up a hockey guy. And, you know, now it's like I enjoy watching golf more than almost any other sport. And it's great to see like the game continue to grow and evolve to where they have an event like that where people can just have a blast and have so much fun. And I think it does a really good job marketing, you know, what what the PGA is all about. And hopefully they're becoming more and more you know, involved in that, in, you know, within that spectrum of just like having a good time and like, you know, growing it and growing the game and, and making it fun for everybody to enjoy. 
for you guys, I'd imagine are you getting recognized a ton at that now? I mean, as Bob does sports has continued to blow up and become such a great phenomenon, I got to imagine you guys almost walk on water there. Perez was mobbed. Yeah, he was mobbed ah, early in Austin. Yes. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think, I mean, to be honest, let's attribute that mostly to just like you can see me. You know, Bob looks like some dude, right? Unless you see him straight on and see his face. Like me from all angles <laughs> is me. Um, so like that, I don't think that's like popularity necessarily as it is just like being able to be more quickly recognized. But uh, yeah, we went out there on Thursday, I think. And then I went out on Saturday. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, that's our, that's like us, right? That Like if you were to like assign a PGA tour golf tournament to a YouTube golf channel, that, that would be like firmly ours. And I don't think, anyone would really argue that. So, um, yeah, I mean, like, look, that's why we do this, right? The, the people that respond to us and, and watch our stuff, we don't do what we do unless we have that kind of response. So it's like, it's the, it's the most like surreal thing. It doesn't seem real. Um, it, it's just, it's crazy and, it, and it's awesome. Um, and, and the day that, you know, that stops, we, we should, you know, start updating our resumes, um, but it's the best, it's the best thing in the world to, to run into people that love our stuff. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to describe. Uh, it's awesome to see, man. I hope the ride doesn't stop because it's fun as hell watching you guys do it. Um, can't thank you enough for all the time here, fellas. Uh, obviously everyone, if you're not already check out Bob does sports, it's incredible. It's a ton of fun. Uh, and I really appreciate it guys. Thanks so much. Mike, thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Thanks for having us, man. That was fun. Yeah, thanks for having us. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Let's bring it home, Brandon. Do you know what time it is? I do, Mike, I do. And I hope this pleases you and the audience, too. Brought to you by Beef Stew. Thank you. Go, Joe, go, Joe, go, Joe, go, Joe, go, Joe, go, Joe, go, Joe. It's your podcast. It's your first. Damn it, podcast.
podcast. We go party like it's the podcast. And you know, we don't give her this, that, and a third. Find me in the club, bottles full of bub. Look, mommy, I got that ex if you hear the of drugs. I'm in the having sex, I ain't in the making love. So this third and the third, if you in the getting rough, you can find me in the club. Bottle full of bub. Look, mommy, I got that ex if you hear the of drugs. I'm in the having sex, I ain't in the making love. So this third and the third, if you in the getting rough. My flow, my show brought me the dough That brought me all my fancy things My grip, my car, my clothes, my shoes Look, this, that, and third, and I ain't changed And if you love it way more than you hate it Download, subscribe, and tell Brandon how hard he made it Let's go Oh, man This is one of my first core memories Get Rich or Die Trying My Aunt Tracy, who is 13 years younger than my mom so it was like in college when we were kids, me and my brother used to go up for like little siblings weekend. She went to St. Mary's, yeah. my uncle Brian went to Holy Cross. And so we would go up there for like little siblings weekend when we were in college. My aunt Tracy my, and uncle Brian were in Connecticut. He was working for ESPN. And I remember going to Strawberries with her so she could buy the physical copy of CD of Get Rich or Die Trying. It was the first CD I was ever a part of buying. And it was an absolute core memory. And then you hit it that them coins drop and then later on you realize this is 50 cents dangling the intro it's so hard <laughs> it's incredible a tread get rich or die trying in a lot of ways was just a milestone in life for so much of us musically for what like that shady aftermath that entire well, like i'm not going to get in my hip-hop high horse mike but there was two different singles for that like there was the wankster which yeah. was like kind of like rang off in the streets for a very very long time and it was like finally got made into a thing and then i mean let's not talk about it get rich or die trying there's no skips it's just it's just just it's either a a, a deep cut that's amazing or a radio cut that's amazing back to back to back to back to back to back yep absolute heat if you agree make sure you download subscribe rate and review leave us a five-star rating and tell brandon how much you appreciated that walk down memory lane brandon let's get to this that and the third three quick ones to end the day this tyreek hill says he's hanging up the cleats after he finishes out this contract with the dolphins which runs through 2025 he went on a radio station in kansas city sports radio 810 and said i'm going to finish out this contract with the dolphins and then i'm going to call it quits i want to go into the business side i want to do so many things in my life bro uh, he said he wa- talked about wanting to get into the gaming space, said he's creating a gaming team that's going to launch at the end of the month, wants to sign content creators and athletes, and also talked a little bit of smack on the Chiefs on the way out just because he was back on that station. Chris Jones ended up tweeting about it. It all seemed in good fun, but Brandon, this is simultaneously a reminder of athletes now i think having more of a mind for what's going on for them off the field than usual and also probably pretty interesting to hear if you're inside the dolphins building going oh okay so we've only got a few more years of this well and the rest of the nfl if everyone's looking at tyree kill i know i always talk about the ravens getting a wide receiver at past their prime like tyree kills decided he's too fast for football and everyone else has to deal with that even though he went and raced a bunch of guys that were basically just showing up for funsies at a track and decided to dust them. Like, apparently that is more fun. As always, 
we'll be interested to see if money makes this conversation a little bit different when that time comes up. I did also see him shit talking. I think it was Darius Slay who said the Eagles would have the fastest four by one team in the NFL. And Tyreek Hill rightly reminded him that the Dolphins exist because the Dolphins do have, I think, track wise, the fastest team in the NFL between him, Raheem Mostert and the rest of the guys on that team. They got some Jalen Waddle. They got speed to burn. Yeah, I was trying, I'm trying to think of the the last leg of that of that race because I was talking, thinking about those other two. Probably a corner, but I can't think of a name. Someone in there's got the wheels. But either way, uh, AFC East fans, rejoice! You've only got till 2025. Uh, Brandon, let's get to that. This one uh, struck a nerve on the home front for me. Connecticut governor let Ned Lamont talking shit about Houston. Um, UConn obviously just won at the final four that was held in Houston in the men's college basketball tournament. And Ned Lamont, the governor, traveled to Houston Monday night for the game and talked about the visit on the Chaz and AJ show on WPLR-FM and said, after winning the semifinals, you walk around downtown Houston, which is but ugly, not much there. Obviously pissed off the mayor of Houston a little bit and called him out on that. And Brandon, I'm just wondering, as someone who spent the majority of my life living in Connecticut, how in good conscience a man who governs a state where Hartford, Connecticut is the capital can talk shit about somebody else's city. I love Connecticut to death, but Hartford is not the picture of fiscal or visual beauty as a city. I'll tell you what, as someone who's been to both, it takes one to know one because looking around Connecticut but ugly sometimes some corners like very surprising how close some gas stations are to some pizza places and then outside of that Houston is a it's an infrastructure wasteland it's like it's so hot there sometimes they have tunnels uh, above ground and below to get in between office buildings like there's not a really a lot of people outside because it's so hot that people are inside eating usually Mexican food or kolaches Listen, my dad was drafted by the Oilers when he first came into the league, always speaks pretty glowingly. It's one of the things he lights up anytime he finds out someone's from Houston so he can talk about the things he knows. Really? My dad, Houston Mike Golick Sr. is like L.A. Brandon. It's one of those things that just gets him going every time you run into somebody from there. Um, I do. Ned Lamont also didn't really apologize when he was asked about the mayor of Houston's comments. He said, well, we had a ball in Houston during the Final Four. The people were incredibly gracious and welcoming for us, and the basketball game was pretty darn good as well. No, it wasn't. He tried to say that he was just joking on those comments, but I don't know, man. Throwing that one out that casually, when again, I love Connecticut. We're probably throwing stones from a glass house on that one. True, but I do feel like in this realm, like in this uh, day and age, but ugly is, is pretty harmless. I mean, that's basically like governor F-bombs. With people who are politically minded, I feel like saying anything that... And like, not to you know get too deep into the weeds on this, but the governor of Houston, or the mayor of Houston, is also a Democrat, as is Ned Lamont, so he's not even getting fired up across the aisle scoring brownie points here. Now, I guess mm. Texas, you can maybe assume that about you know most things there, but for yeah. what it's worth, the mayor of Houston is a Democrat, and so... I was a little bit more perplexed by that as well with that in the background. But, uh, you know, I guess Ned's going to keep doing it. I guess that's what happens. UConn basketball is the one thing that gets Connecticut people able to puff out their chest. It's like that and when cider mill season comes around, that and the pizza, as you've pointed out in the past. 
No, you, you said it already. When UConn wins a championship, they walk around like you with a fresh wig. Like it's just yeah, you got you. It's just different. That's the closest Connecticut people get to being to New Yorkers is when UConn sports wins a championship, where they walk around with actual confidence oh and feel gosh. like talking shit to people. I guess New York or Boston, we're the highway between the two anyway, so it makes perfect sense. All the people from Connecticut going to Grand Central Station for work every day was like, I am a New Yorker. God love us, man. I miss home. Uh, Brandon, let's get to the third. This was wild yesterday. So I had missed this when it actually happened, as I think a lot of people did. But an old clip of Sting, the former frontman for the police, went on uh, the Breakfast Club back in 2018. And for some reason, the clip made the rounds yesterday and ended up on the desk of P. Diddy. The clip was Sting talking with the crew from the Breakfast Club about his Grammy winning, uh, his his smash hit, Every Breath You Take, which ended up being sampled in P. Diddy's Grammy winner, I'll Be Missing You. And apparently the truth behind P. Diddy not securing any sort of agreement to use that sample. Sting went on to say that because Diddy made the song without contacting Sting and the police, that he was able to go and recoup funds for that. How many funds, you may ask? Sting said $2,000 a day ever since then for the rest of his life is what he has to pay because of that for sampling that hit. P. Diddy went to Twitter this week and said, nope, it's 5K a day. Love to my brother. Brandon, if those figures are true, I'll be missing you came out in 1997. It's been 26 years since that point at $5,000 a day is north of $46 million. Sting said it's put his kids through college and then some just just what p diddy would be again i don't know if the full figures of that are true i don't know if it's in perpetuity but for the sake of this if we want to assume that then p diddy would have paid sting 46 plus million dollars alone for that one song from sting's catalog that remember last time on dragon ball z that catalog with the police just sold this year for 300 million dollars that man is rolling in money which one? Also a fair point, since P. Diddy, I like, believe, is worth a billion dollars, and so this amounts to couch change for him. Well, not, not not exactly couch change, Mike, but obviously rap is, you know, still being accepted in some circles in America, and obviously it's, it's printing money in other circles. So to think about somebody who was like the genesis of the genre, it's crazy to think that P. Diddy can afford to send him 5k a day for the rest of his life like that that's illuminating for me it's incredible um neither could be reached uh for further comment on this but this is one of those stories i am going to choose to believe that every step i take is making sting five thousand dollars a day for the rest of his life from p diddy how much money on food delivery services is p diddy spending a week if he's giving 5k to sting just out of principle brandon i went through the other day and downloaded the rocket money app that helps you find subscriptions oh, you're no longer you using that? and i spent 
probably three hours the other morning going through and clearing out subscriptions for like $8 a month. One paper offered me 99 cents a month just to keep going with it and on principle because they had been taking money from me for nothing for a while, even though we should support papers. And obviously that's a great thing. And I do subscribe to some papers. Please don't come for me. But I canceled all of those. P. Diddy has got to be subscribed to things from like the earliest stages of the internet. Like he's probably got some paid account on a Neopets website that he's still rocking with right now. <laughs> he's probably playing twenty nine ninety nine for AOL uh, AOL Mail. <laughs> yes. <laughs> P. Diddy's got ESPN the phone still, and he's still he's still paying a data plan on it. <laughs> Oh my god! Can you imagine someone play, paying for Hotmail. I like so I mean, like P Diddy is just buying nostalgia. I would. I want to know what his museum of nostalgia looks like in his house. Got to have an unreal, like god tier Pokemon card collection. At least, at least one police uh, poster. That is true. I feel like there's got to be. Uh, honestly, both of them probably have to have some sort of memorabilia. It's got to be. I want a jersey swap picture of P. Diddy and Sting for this occasion. Yes. That's what the world needs to bring it all together for this historic occasion. If this show, if this podcast brought you together for this historic occasion of Friday, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review. Leave us a five star rating and check us out on the DraftKings YouTube channel. Thanks so much. Have a safe weekend. Enjoy the Masters. We'll talk to you Monday, friends. Boom. Money in the bank.